Well, good morning, good morning. Great to have you with us this morning. I spent my childhood lying in bed, dreaming about being in LA and behind the camera, and here we are, everyone. We finally got here. Just amazing. Um, thanks for that wonderful introduction, Ted. I will get you back. You do know that. So um, as Ted said, we're continuing this morning in our series on uh, Proverbs, God's wisdom for life in LA. And this morning, we're going to be looking at wisdom with anger, wisdom with our anger. Um, and we've had quite an experience of anger, haven't we, over recent months? Let's take a moment right now before we dive in to pray. Let's ask the Lord into this morning. So, Father, we do recognize we live in a culture that seems to have been overcome by anger. We recognize that we have anger. We have places of anger in our hearts. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to search our hearts. We invite you to see if there's any offensive way in us. And would you lead us into a place of healing? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, the writer of Proverbs personifies wisdom, as we know now, as a woman standing on the streets calling out for our attention to hear her invitation to a different way of living. It's a, a way of life that's filled with the wisdom of God. She, being wisdom, offers practical guidance for right living, teaching us how to function in society and find meaning and order in the world. And like the Psalms, Proverbs speaks to a variety of human situations, offering advice on how to handle certain circumstances and emotions. And one of these is anger. Proverbs 14.29 tells us, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. And Proverbs 19.19, a hot-tempered person may pay the penalty, rescue them, and you'll have to do it again. So this morning, we're going to explore anger. I want to look at three simple things, right anger, wrong anger, and how to heal anger, how God can begin to heal our anger. And the first thing I want to say about angry is that it's not bad to feel angry. It's not bad to feel angry. Anger is an absolutely normal, healthy emotion. In fact, a lot of really good things can come from anger. And angry feelings can lead to positive change. Our experience of anger, how often it occurs, how intensely it's felt, and how long it lasts is different from person to person. Some people are aware of their anger, while others don't even recognize it when it happens. But when it comes, it comes as a signal to us that something is wrong in our environment and it causes us to take action. And the action we take can either be constructive and controlled 
or destructive and uncontrolled, depending on how we process and handle it. The problem is that most of us rarely stop for long enough to actually think about our anger, to think about how we're being affected by it, to even process our anger. Will Arnott from an incredible film, the Lego Batman movie, describes it profoundly like this. I don't talk about feelings. I don't have any. I have never seen one. I am a night-stalking, crime-fighting vigilante, a heavy metal-wrapping machine. I don't feel anything emotionally, except for rage, 24-7-365, at a million percent. And if you think there's something behind that, then you're crazy. Good night, Alfred. (laughs) Firstly, right anger. Right anger. Right anger is a controlled, appropriate reaction to an incident, injustice, or threat that provokes a positive response. Right anger is a controlled, appropriate reaction to an incident, injustice, or threat that provokes a positive response. Biblically, the word anger in the original Greek can be seen as a passion of nature that needs to be controlled and used properly. Anger can be righteous indignation to a situation. God gets righteously angry about injustice. Think of Jesus' anger in the Gospels when he walked into the temple and saw the money changers. Forming a whip of cords, he flipped their tables, sending their belongings everywhere and drove them out of the temple in righteous anger. Think of him in Matthew 23 when he's speaking to the, uh, to the law, teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And he responds with these words. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And then he goes on to call them blind guides, snakes, and a brood of vipers. I think there's a little bit of anger in there. Righteous anger. Jesus uses controlled anger to express God's heart over injustice, knowing it has the power to bring change. But it's change for the good. You see, healthy anger, healthy anger finds its root in God's love for his broken world and seeks to channel that love into a positive response to bring change. That's what healthy anger looks like. This sort of anger has been the inspiration and vision for the most incredible initiatives of justice around the world. Think of Martin Luther King's nonviolent resistance to the evils of racism. Think of William Booth's vision of the loss that provoked him to create the Salvation Army. You should go online, look at William Booth's vision of the loss, the most incredible vision he gets for the lost that provokes him to form the Salvation Army. And look what's come of the Salvation Army. Think of Mother Teresa's response to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, her broken heart and anger over the way the poor were being treated. And look what happened. Throughout history, men and women have been provoked and captured by a vision of God's heart and anger over injustice and gone on to change the world for the better. So it is with us. So it is with us. We should see the world the way God sees the world. 
in their book, The Heart of Anger, Christopher Ash and Steve Midgley puts it like this. In godly anger, we are being called to live in imitation of God, called to care about the same things God cares about and to be angry over cruelty and justice and evil. We should be a people that get angry over what we see evil doing in our city. We should be angry about human trafficking and slavery. We should be angry about the unbridled greed and materialism. We should be angry and broken over the homelessness in our streets. We should be angry and broken over the drugs that are killing our kids. Do you see what he sees? And do you feel God's broken heart and anger over the condition of the city we live in? That's what he's calling us to be, that type of people. Watching the headlines in the news should provoke and awaken in us the passion and righteousness of God in a way that angers us at the brokenness of the world he created. Things are not as they should be. Things are not as they should be. We weren't created to watch the weekly headlines on the news and television and call Uber Eats at the same time. question to ask is, are we so numb that we don't feel it anymore? It's right to get angry, but it's an anger that has to be rooted in God's love and spirit. And it should drive us to our knees in prayer, crying out to God over the brokenness that we see. The problem is we might have to be ready to be the response that he wants to see in the world. Right anger, controlled by God, can be used to change the world for good and bring life. But wrong anger can overwhelm our hearts and control our behavior and lead to death. So secondly, wrong anger. Wrong anger is unprocessed, uncontrolled anger resulting in destructive reactions that can cause devastation even death. Proverbs 22, 24 warns us, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourselves ensnared. Anger has a way of ensnaring us and enmeshing us into its power. Unhealthy, uncontrolled anger. Proverbs 29, 22 an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Now, anger is a response to a perceived threat and when we get angry, our bodies prepare for survival. Our hearts beat faster. Adrenaline begins to flow. Our body releases more sugar and our blood pressure rises. It causes our muscles to tighten, our senses feel more acute, our pupils open wider, our hands and face are flushed, and we go on high alert. And as this happens, our body is ready for action and using power, healthily or unhealthily, becomes an option. This is where we get the term red mist from. You know red mist? Is that a term you use here? You know when someone sees red? Remember, you know that expression? Well, when they see red mist, it's all over. Run. It's when the Hulk 
You know that moment in the Hulk where he goes from that mild doctor to begins to go green and his clothes begin to rip and tear as anger overtakes him and his body switches into response. Now this is absolutely necessary when it comes to a soldier in war or a parent protecting a child from a threatening situation. It's just not so good when you're in the line at Trader Joe's or when you're ordering a flavor of ice cream from Salt and Straw or more often than not when you're behind the wheel. Road rage, for example. Drivers swerve in and out, cut people off, put their fists out the window and use hand signals, which I'm not going to release right now in a church. And they shout at people as they go past. That's just on my way home on Wilshire Boulevard. The AIA Foundation for Traffic Safety found that almost 80% of drivers displayed signs of road rage behind the wheel. 80% of drivers. So, can I see a show of hands? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to do that, especially with all the cameras. Do you know there are five different kinds of road rage they've listed? Passive, aggressive road rage, competitive road rage, impatient road rage, vocal road rage, and violent road rage. But it's not just individuals that can have uncontrollable anger. Whole communities can be infected and consumed by it. One of the loudest voices over the last year in our culture has been anger, hasn't it? The pandemic leading to shutdowns and lockdowns and isolation and fear, together with racial tensions and then the political stresses formed a perfect storm of fear and anger. And like a pressure cooker, it exploded out of our homes and into the streets of our city, all the way to Capitol Hill, causing devastation and death. That is what uncontrolled anger can look like. Multiple times throughout this year, I've come off social media because of the way people were speaking to each other in anger, just tearing each other to shreds. And that was in the church. I'll be honest, I think we've behaved miserably over the last year. We are a people who are called to respond differently to what we see going around us than the world. God calls us to live a different economy of being, one that controls anger, one that goes to him to seek positive, creative ways of diffusing anger and bringing unity in a culture that's spiraling out of control. I mean, I'll, I'll be really honest. I think we missed the mark over the last year by a long shot. We are a people who go to God to process and control our anger and seek his wisdom for creative ways of resolving, diffusing, and dealing with anger. That's who we're called to be. Lastly, healing our own anger. Healing our unhealthy anger begins with being honest with ourselves. As for me in my house, this is where I've got anger. And it means we're honest to God. We, we bring to him those places. 
We all have common triggers for anger, such as losing our patience, being unfairly treated, hitting our thumb with a hammer or stubbing our toe. When I stub my toe or hurt myself around the house, my darling wife absolutely loses it with hysterics. In fact, I, I fell down some stairs one day, bounced off the wall, looked up to get sympathy, and there was tears rolling down her face. I have to confess, that has a tendency to make me angry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, darling. But there are other causes of anger, like traumatic memories and events, deep hurts, pains, broken relationships. Worrying, stress over personal problems like money, jobs, or accommodation. We also all have unique triggers that trigger our anger based on what we're taught to expect from others, ourselves, and how we've been raised, the world around us. But often the triggers aren't actually what's truly at the root of our anger. The outward manifestation of anger is often the tip of an iceberg that sinks deep into our past. And unprocessed hurts, pains, traumas, and disappointments can result in a residual frustration that sits in our soul. Now, I don't believe anyone gets in the car and says, right, kids, let's go for a drive and do some stage five road rage. But they have a residual anger deep down where they live, and it's triggered. And before they know it, it's out of control. Most of the time, we're holding on to a residual anger under the surface that's waiting to be triggered. And when it's triggered, it quickly becomes untamed and out of control. Much to my kids' distress, punching your pillow, kicking a hole in your door, punching a hole in your wall, thrashing your room, trashing it and turning it upside down, a phone going off in the middle of a sermon, or screaming to your heart's content doesn't actually release pent-up anger. In fact, research shows that venting your anger in this way has the opposite effect. The more you vent, the worse you feel. The more you vent, the worse you feel. The task is to slow down for long enough that we actually begin to identify what lies at the root of our anger. I'm going to say that again. The task, which is a challenge, is to slow down. Life in LA has us going at such a pace. And the task is to slow down. To get to the root of what really lies at the heart of our anger. Because often it's so deep, everyday life, we, can't, we don't catch it. And so we can't control it. Andy Stanley, from his book, It Came From Within, says the monster of the heart, anger, cannot withstand the light of exposure. For you to tell your story is to drag it into the light. So we slow down and we prayerfully process our places of anger and we bring them into God's light and presence. Ask yourself, what are you really angry about?
What are you really angry about? Healing begins with identifying the hurts, the pains, the disappointments, the frustrations, the letdowns, the broken relationships that lay at the heart of our anger. Then we can begin the process by taking them to Jesus and inviting him into those places to begin his healing. You know the places. You know he knows the places. He knows you know he knows the places. Okay? It's just how it is. So as much as you think you can hide those places from yourself and him, you can't. And of course, what anger does is it has a wonderful way of exposing us, doesn't it? (laughs) I thought I was in control and then that happened. He knows the places we have locked away from him and his presence. And the invitation is to open them to him, to bring him into them, to expose them to the light and presence and love of God and watch what he can do with them. Up until my early 20s, due to childhood trauma and an unbelievably violent father, I had a deep rage buried in my soul. And when it was triggered, it would completely consume me and explode out on anyone around me. It would leave me drained for days. But allowing God, slowly but surely, over time, into those places has brought the most incredible feeling of freedom. I am a different person from when I first met with Jesus. I have moments in my days when I stop and I think I had no idea it could get like this. You don't have to carry this stuff all the way home. He died on the cross to set us free. His invitation is to bring him these places and to experience the transformation of his love. It's a process that takes time, prayer, sometimes therapy, and constant discipline to continually come back to him even when we've blown it. He is full of grace. He is full of love and he is longing to transform our hearts. That's the reality. His invitation is to let him into those places. So in closing, I want to walk us through a a, a process I found really helpful. Six points to help us look at what this looks like in practice, walking this out. How do we do? How do we begin to do this? Six points. First, identify. First, identify. Practice identifying when you feel frustrated, disappointed, or angry. Second, recognize. Pay attention to the early warning signs that you're getting angry. Recognize the dashboard warning lights of your emotions. You know when they go off. I know you know when they go off. I know when they go off. And so you have to recognize it. Like a bushfire, the the earlier we catch anger, the easier it is to stop it from growing. And so begin to recognize 
when those lights are flashing, when you know anger is approaching. Third, pause. Pause. This is where it gets hardest, to actually pause, press the pause button in the cycle that's beginning to grow within us. Take time out from the reaction to calm down and pray before your anger reaches explosive levels. The idea is that we need to jam our dysfunctional cycles and we do that by pressing pause. Stick a stick in the wheel of the cycle to stop it from spinning out of control. And pausing is where we can start to do that. And then sometimes breathe. Four is breathe. Breathe. Particularly when anger is out of control. You, can, you, you saw what your body can do. And so the, the idea is to, to, to identify, recognize, pause. <sighs> breathe. I'm, I'm going to stop this thing from being out of control. Sometimes going for a walk, leaving the situation. One of my children, I won't name her, had what we called volcano in her tummy, which was effectively anger. It was a book called Volcano in Your Tummy for, for uh, kids who had anger. And we would teach her, darling, you've just got to leave the situation. Just leave the situation. Of course, that did mean on occasion she was leaving me and slamming the door in my face. But sometimes we need to leave the situation and breathe to calm ourselves down. Five, pray, 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 and pray. Sometimes when we react negatively, the instant reaction is that we feel that we're locked out from the presence of God, and so we don't bother praying. And I want to encourage you, it's the completely opposite way around. They're the moments when we need to reach out to him the most. Pray. When you're in a calmer state, invite the Holy Spirit to show you the trigger and the root of anger. Then take any unprocessed hurts, pains, traumas and disappointments of the past and we bring them to God. If you need to journal them down, journal them down. Begin the process of inviting, of inviting God into this stuff. This is where the transformation takes place. And lastly... And most importantly of all, surrender. Surrender. We surrender our anger to God at the cross and we ask for forgiveness for being angry. And if you're holding a grudge and if you're aware that you're angry at someone or at something and it's deep in your soul, then ask him to help you and surrender it to him at the cross. Bring it to God. Bring it into the light and watch what he can do with those places that we have, that we're holding on to. Hand them over to God. There is power in coming to the cross to surrender our pains, frustrations, hurts, and trauma to God. There is power in confession and forgiveness. This is why Jesus taught us to do it. If you want to know how to diffuse, how to heal, how to be free, how to live life in its fullness, begin with confession and forgiveness. Take your stuff to the cross. As I've said, it's the place of transformation and resurrection. It's where we die and he lives in us.
So can I encourage you? If you haven't practiced going to the cross, we're in Lent. Hands up if anyone's fasting for Lent. <laughs> it's fine, you can do that. Lent is a season where we're invited to journey to the cross and die with Christ. And then on Sunday, stand up in resurrection transformation. Of course, the reality is every day is Easter. Every day is Easter. Live a cruciformed life, a life shaped by the cross. Come to him regularly with your stuff. Come to the cross constantly. Give it to him. Surrender it to him. Pray and watch what he can do. So, I'm going to invite us to do that right now. Can I invite you to stand? We're going to end by just praying for just a few moments before we worship. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. God's presence is here. And if it's for the sake of one person who's never thought of doing this before, let's just open ourselves to the presence of God. And it, it might not even be anger. It might be you're just aware of places in your heart, hurts, pains, disappointments, traumas, frustrations broken relationships and you've never thought that Jesus can deal with those so Holy Spirit I invite you to fall in this place Holy Spirit I invite you give us courage to come before you to identify the places where you long to bring transformation, where you long to bring words of comfort, words of hope, words of love, and where you long to break any cyclical behavior, anger, As we move into worship, we stay focused on you. We ask you, as we worship you, would you fill us with your healing presence? Come, Lord Jesus. <laughs>